Holy Spirit, lead us in truth. We don't want to just be uh, entertained or even challenged or inspired, but we want to be changed. So we ask you to transform us. Through the word, thank you for what you've done through your presence, but would you transform us to be more like Jesus? Amen. If you've been here for a while, we've been talking about kingdom relationships as a part of a bigger picture, which is uh, the principles of the kingdom, which as we adjust ourselves to that, we see a greater increase in God's presence and his glory. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I uh, was talking about foundations for kingdom relationships and everything. The foundation for the kingdom is love and grace. Last week, Tony preached on love, agape. Uh, today, I want to talk about grace, but I'm giving you fair warning. We're going to take the scenic route to get there. <laughs> you know what the scenic route is? In the States, when you travel, there are all these little signs that say scenic route. It means it'll get you to the same place, but it's going to kind of meander around. It's going to take you twice as long, but you're going to see some nice things along the way. We're going to take the scenic route today, okay? Are you uh, patient with me? Seatbelts on, yes. You only need your seatbelts at the end, but uh, <laughs> it's the scenic meandering route till we get there. And then, scenic byway. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 18, just for the sake of time, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, which is us, but the things that are not seen are eternal. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. I'm going to get to that, but here's where the scenic byway begins. I want to uh, get a little theological background, so I'm going to get a bit theological here this morning. If you find that boring, pull out your uh, iPhone and go to Facebook or something. I'll tell you when we get to back to the, the real stuff. How often do you have pastors tell you to do that instead of tell you to get <laughs> off your iPhone? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 talks about, may God of peace himself sanctify you completely, whole spirit, soul, and body preserved blameless. Kate referred to this about five weeks ago when she preached, uh, just recognizing that we are spirit, soul, and body. Okay, there's... there's a, tripart that makes up who we are, but I want to talk about three phases of salvation. One salvation, but there's three phases. It's kind of like building a building. There's different parts, but it's one building. There's foundation, there's walls, there's roof, but it's one building. And so this is the kind of scenic byway so that we can get back into uh, 2 Corinthians. And that is they are very clearly three things. We have been saved. Ephesians 2, 5 and 8 says you have been saved. Uh, by grace, you have been saved. We are being saved. 2 Corinthians 1, 18 and 2, 15 say we're being saved. 
and then you will be saved. Romans 5.10. So which is it? Have we been saved? Are we being saved or will we be saved? Answer is yes. <laughs> it's all those three phases of the same salvation. I want to take a look at those. You have been saved. The theological word is justified. And it's the things that happen instantly when we come to Jesus. Okay? One is that you get a new life. Ephesians 2.5. We're made alive together with Christ while we were dead. So there's a new life. John 3.3 3 talks about being born again, unless you're born again. There's something of a new life that comes, which basically is your spirit was dead and now it's alive. When you come to Jesus, you've been separated from God because of sin. Your spirit is dead. And there's new life that comes instantly. But there's also a new partner, the spirit of Christ. Jesus says, we'll make our dwelling within you. So he now dwells in us. So there's not only new life and a new partner, but there's also a new status, which means that we've been forgiven and justified. That means a sin is removed. That's a wonderful thing. One of my favorite scriptures is that we're now made righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ, when we come, when we respond to him, we're born anew. Our sin is removed. Jesus carries it away. He doesn't just overlook it. He doesn't just say it's okay. He actually removes it, and we become the righteousness of God, a new status. All that happens instantaneously when you come to Jesus. It's all based on grace. It's not earned. We don't have to become different. But as a result of that, we can now have relationship, friendship with God. We're separated from God because of sin. He's dealt with that instantaneously. But there's something else happens. We're being saved. The theological term for that is sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 uh, says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Uh, Hebrews 10.14, one offering he made forever, perfect forever those who are being sanctified. And so we're saved, but we're being saved. We're being transformed. That new life becomes a new lifestyle. We have a new life, but it begins to work out from within us outward. So there's part of being conformed to the image of Christ. There's part of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why do we need those if we become a new creation? You became a new creation. Your spirit became new, but it's now working out in your soul. It's actually changing the way we think, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's called being sanctified. Philippians 2 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my absence only, but now much more in my, not only in my presence, but in my absence, 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say work for your salvation. It says work out your salvation. The life of God in you is now working out. From the Spirit, it's beginning to change the soul, change the way we think. We're becoming aligned with Him. We're becoming conformed to His image. Because God is in you, let it transform your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. But it also says this, you will be saved. The, again, theological term is glorified. Basically means our physical body will put on a glorified body at some point. It hasn't yet. My wife thinks I have, <laughs> but it hasn't. 1 Corinthians 15, 53 says, but this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. There is a point where this physical body becomes a glorified body, which means that there's no pain. It means there's no sickness. There's no aging. We don't have that yet. What we have is a new spirit. What we're getting is a new soul. And what we will get someday is a new body. You still with me? Unfortunately, what that means is that our body is still natural. Boo. Boo. <laughs> it's still subject to aging. It still gets older. It's influenced by the world. It's still waiting to be glorified. So, in summary, let me say it again. Three phases of salvation. Your spirit is born again. Justification, your new creation. You have been saved. Your soul is being transformed. Sanctification. You are being saved. And your body will be changed. Glorification. You will be saved. Clear as mud now? I'm glad you like that. Back to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What does that mean? The presence of God, the life of God, the manifestations of the Spirit still works through us. And us is... Not totally transformed. And us still has a natural body. We're in the process. The supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit still come through natural people. Think about that for a moment. Because I want you to picture a spectrum. On one side is flesh, the natural man. On the other side is spirit, the spirit of God. And the manifestation of the Holy Spirit comes is the spirit being poured out through natural people. So what do we get? We get something along that spectrum that is spirit and people. Right? The more 
were on the people side, the less anointed, it seems. The more we're on the spirit side, sorry, you guys got the flesh side, you guys got the spirit. <laughs> the more we're on the spirit side, the more anointed it is, right? You still with me? Hopefully, as we're being transformed, we're becoming more in tune with the spirit and less place for the natural man. But the reality is that as long as we're still alive in this body, any manifestation of the spirit, any move of God still has a bit of a mixture. My lovely assistant, come and help me here. Here is my illustration. Tim, will you? Earthen vessel. <laughs> or not. No, earthen vessel. Not earthen vessel. I'll be quiet. If you'd open that one up. I want to demonstrate. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Get out of the way, will you? Spirit of God comes. And he wants to manifest himself through us. And he pours absolutely pure, sparkling, anointing, the Spirit of God into us. But if there's one drop of us in the cup, what comes out is slightly tainted. <laughs> it's not actually... That is what God has to work with. And that's always that way. Thank you, guys. That, that's good enough? Here, you, you can have this. Oh, thanks. What, what does that mean? It looks like this. Unfortunately, my natural part has an American accent. No matter what the Holy Spirit does, it still comes out with an American accent. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. But I was preaching in South Africa once, and I was talking about different periods of time of the Holy Spirit moving in history. Eras is how it comes out in American. Era is how it might be said in South Africa. But I said era. When you say era, what they hear is E-R-R-O-R. -R -R. Era is E-R-A. What they heard is E-R-R-O-R. Error. And so I'm talking about periods of time. And what they're hearing is faults, problems, eras. It was still truth, but unfortunately, it came through an earthen vessel. Doesn't mean that the earthen vessel is sinful. I mean, that part wasn't sin. It was just, it comes through us. Okay? Sometimes there is sin, but that's a whole other story. I'm just talking about God using us. Lance... Uh, Shared a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom last week. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. 
Now, that's something of a manifestation of the Spirit. And the message of that was, don't get distracted. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He was, it was in the context of what's going on in the world and vaccines and everything else. But in the midst of that, Lance said, if you're sending me emails about vaccines, save your time and your energy. Don't, don't send them to me because I don't read them. Okay? Now, that's not the Holy Spirit saying, don't send me emails. <laughs> it was a word, a word of wisdom that came through who Lance is. Lance's naturalness as well. So what do you do with that? You hold on to what is the spirit, and you just let go of what is the natural, what is the flesh. When we understand that every partnership that we have with God, whether it's a manifestation of the Spirit or sharing, preaching, and teaching, leading communion, no matter what we do, praying for somebody, no matter what we do, it's always a mixture of that which is the Spirit of God and us. When we understand that, this is where grace comes in. That was the wandering. We've come back to grace. Grace comes in. Grace is our default. Love and grace is our default. When we deal with other people, we have to recognize we've been forgiven, but we are still being transformed. And therefore, every one of you if you've come to Jesus, you've been forgiven, but you're still being transformed. Unfortunately, when I became a new cre creation in Christ, I was still not able to hit a golf ball straight. I'm waiting for my glorified body. I will be a really good golfer in heaven. <laughs> when our default is love and grace. Then we're able to hold on to what is the Spirit and let go of everything else. Reality is, it's always both. We can get focused on the part that was the person. We can get focused on the accent, the error or the error. We can get focused on the how it was said. See, our flesh, what that is, it's a bit of all of us. It's our history. It's our theological understanding. It's what we see or feel at the time. We, Mary and I have this understanding that when I get tired, really tired, I get a little bit negative. I have another friend who's exactly the same. He preached a sermon once, seven things that will kill a church. I tell him, dude, you need a holiday. <laughs> That's negative. But see, I get a little bit negative. So she said, hey, what happens is that then my preaching or teaching can sometimes carry a little bit of a negative tone. Why? Because I'm still 
Human. 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 I'm a human. Since we're all in the process of being transformed, someone said, God uses imperfect people. He has no other option. God uses imperfect people. He has no other. He knows that we're imperfect, and he still chooses to pour spirit through us. Yeah, figure that one out. He knows that when he pours in that pure water of the Spirit, if there's one drop, and there is, it's going to come out tainted, and he still chooses to do that. Why? Because he wants us to grow in grace. Pretty amazing, huh? So we have this thing that God wants to use us. And so we want to provide opportunities in home groups for people to pray. Manifestations of spirits. On, in Sunday, words, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophetic things, tongues and interpretation. Do we get it right all the time? No. But there's something of taking, holding on to what is the spirit and letting go of what is the natural. Let me tell you, every Monday, or actually Sunday afternoon, I don't wait till Monday, I think about what I've shared and have I communicated it well? Could I have done it better? It's not condemnation. It's just I recognize it's something of the word of God coming through a human vessel. I want to become better at what I'm doing. If you have a prophetic word, you should ask God, hey, did I communicate your heart? Or did I add something else to it? A few months back, March of this year, we had a equip, which is a time, some of you weren't here, but a time when we bring in uh, the guys on the NCMI team, we partner with Ephesians 4 Gifts. And we had a weekend, and the whole focus of that weekend was a reset on Jesus, getting our eyes fixed on Jesus. And one of the guys had a revelation, a picture, a, a, a vision. And the vision was of uh, Uluru in the center of Australia rising up and the whole world seeing this. And he had it that weekend. But it was probably six weeks later he shared it in church. And he shared the revelation of this picture. And then he added... He thought that that rock, Uluru, that was raising up, was us as a church. He just got the interpretation. He just added something else. And so I just said, no, I actually think that's Jesus, which is what the whole focus of that weekend was when he had the revelation. And he immediately said, oh, yeah, that's right. Did, was that mean that he missed? No. The revelation was pure water. The picture was the Holy Spirit. But what came out was just a little bit green. <laughs> I used green. I had a whole lot of colors. I used green because it was the most earthen. Oh. oh. I just wondered if you'd catch that.
So what does this mean for us? It means that we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We have a saying that we learned from a friend of mine in the States years ago that when someone shares something, whether it's a prophecy or a word of knowledge or a vision or something, it's always going to be somewhere on that spectrum. The more the anointing of the Spirit it is, the more grace flows to us. But sometimes it's on the other end of the spectrum. You know what happens? Grace flows from us to them. Someone's tried. Someone's given it a go. We're not going to shoot that down. We're not going to attack them, discourage them from ever. Hey, give it a shot. If you're in a home group and you feel like the Holy Spirit says, Sherry, it's a safe place. Why? Because we are people of grace. We've received grace. We will live in grace. That's how the Holy Spirit works. But let me say this. Some Pentecostals, and you might be a Pentecostal background, some Pentecostals see this spectrum as being the spirit and the devil. And therefore, if it's not totally spirit, it must be the devil. And so what happens is that almost without exception, those churches start limiting who can share. And it gets smaller and smaller and smaller till there are no manifestations of the Holy Spirit any longer. Why? Because their understanding is wrong. Yeah, even Jesus himself wouldn't have qualified to, to be used by the Spirit in that church. Why is that? Because we just misunderstand. We, while we live in this body, we will continue to need grace. And we will continue to need to express grace to other people. When we get a glorified body, when we've been, soul's been transformed, when we go to heaven, we're with Jesus, there's no sickness, there's no sin, there's no, no difficulty, everything's perfect, we will not need to have grace for other people. But we're not there yet. I get excited, sorry. We want to see the Holy Spirit released more and more. And what that means is for some of us, we just have to give it a go. What do you think the Holy Spirit's saying? Would you bow your head? There's always a truth in the word, but there's always something of the application of the Holy Spirit. And I felt God say that there's two things this morning. If you come from a background that focused on the human part, And became critical of the manifestations of the Spirit. 
became fearful or became even humiliating for other people, would you just repent? I don't expect that that's many of you. But the other thing that I felt the Holy Spirit says is there's some of you that unfortunately you've been on the receiving end and there's been condemnation. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. The Holy Spirit is helping us be transformed, but, but there's never condemnation in the Spirit. Condemnation is just a blanket, you're bad. You've done wrong, you've done bad. Don't ever do that again. The Holy Spirit is like a scalpel. He says, hey, let's deal with this issue. Maybe the flesh part of what you shared was a, a desire for recognition. Maybe the flesh part was I want to look good. Or I, the flesh part was I'm not really confident that the Holy Spirit's using me, so I better convince people that he is. So we put on a different voice so that you know that this is a prophecy. And God said... I want to tell you that that's motivated by insecurity. Does that mean God didn't say? No. But sometimes we try and convince people that it's God speaking through us. The wonderful thing is that when it's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in you confirms it. I don't have to try and convince you and sell you on something. If what I'm sharing is truth, the Holy Spirit in you confirms that. So you're accountable to God for what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. But if you've been the recipient of condemnation, if you've been at the point where you felt humiliated or embarrassed, because you gave it a go, but then someone used that in their own insecurity to humiliate you. God wants to heal you. He wants to set you free because that becomes a chain. That becomes a hindrance to you obeying the Holy Spirit. That takes the adventure of this partnership away. There's such a wonderful adventure as we walk with God to see the things that he does. And you've possibly been robbed of that. And God's just wanting to, to bring healing. So just before we close right now, if that's you, just say, Lord, will you heal me? He can do that. I can't heal you. He's the healer. If that has caused you to have a fear of the Holy Spirit, God wants to just pour his love into you because his love casts out fear. Lord, would you do that? 
And lastly, if you've come here this morning and you've never met Jesus, all those things, you can have a new life, be born anew. You can have a new partner in the Holy Spirit. You can have a new status and be totally forgiven and uh, righteous before God, justified so you can be a friend with God. All that can take place as you simply respond to him. Then you enter into a process of being transformed. You don't have to change your life to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus how you are, and he changes us. Too often religion says you have to be good. I'm going to get my life together. Once I get my life together, then I'll be a part of the church, or I'll be something that God can use. Let me tell you, you can't get your life together. Jesus does. If you've not met him, you can this morning. Simply by saying, Jesus, I want to know you. I want a new life. I turn from living more for myself, and I turn to you. I want to follow you. Will you forgive me? Would you make me righteous that I could come into relationship with God? And then instantly he does it. Lord, we just stand humbled and amazed at your incredible love that is incorruptible. Human love can be corrupted, but agape can't. And then your grace that is poured out on us. And Lord, we say we want to have a greater revelation of that grace And then we want to be conduits of that grace being poured out to to other people. There's a song we sang a while back. The song is, uh, Thank You, Jesus, for the Blood Applied. I love it because it starts, I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin had made a separation. The chasm was far too wide. But from the far side of that chasm, you had me in your eyes, in your sight. We need to be remembered, be reminded of the grace of God for us. His grace is sufficient for every single person. Lord, thank you that as we leave today, we get to carry your presence and be conduits of your grace. We, we get to shine as lights in the darkness. Instead of yelling at that person who cuts us off in traffic, we'll allow your grace to flow. In Jesus' name. Watch your stand.